Welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Hand, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. Today we're in conversation with Noah Silberschmidt, the founder and CEO of Silverstream Technologies. Welcome to the Maritime Podcast, Noah. Hello, Marcus. How are you doing? We've met a few times before, so it's a pleasure to see you again. Yeah, likewise. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time. Just to introduce Silverstream to listeners who may not know the company, Silverstream Technologies specializes in air lubrication for vessels to reduce resistance to the water and therefore emissions. They recently won a major contract with MSC, which received publicity not just in the trade press, but in the mainstream press as well, showing the kind of the interest there is in this kind of technology. Noah, I just want to ask you a little bit first, you know, let our listeners know, why did you get into the air lubrication business? What was it you identified there as a business? Marcus, like many other things, it's a long story, but I have a past in competitive sailing. So I thought I had an understanding of sea and weather. And then prior to starting Silverstream in 2010, I have worked a lot with math and always enjoyed working with math. And essentially, air lubrication is, I mean, it's engineering, a physical phenomenon where we are using air to reduce the friction in between a ship's hull and water. But I mean, it's, a, it's an old concept, actually uh, first discussed by Froude, English engineer, British engineer, naval architect, back in, I think, the 1860s. But I threw myself over this. I, I thought it was extremely interesting. And I thought we'd found a way to make air lubrication work. That said, there have been like 50 companies in the last 100 years that have tried to make it work. But I think they have struggled quite a bit. But today, there's a commercial solution on the table that's verified. So obviously, not new technology at all in terms of concept. So why is it now taking off? What is the driver for this technology taking off at this time? There are many factors here, specifically for Silverstream. We very early on wanted to be true to our word and only wanted to promise what we thought we could deliver. And by delivering, I think at Silverstream, we felt that we could do our own test of our results. But it was very important to also have involvement from third-party testing facilities or like, let's say, classification societies. And of course, also have the clients on board and doing, if they wanted to, their own testing, because that would be the best proof that the owner charter tests in the same as they did the vessel normally. So why is it taking off now? Well, first of all, we have a technology that works where it's proven that it works. So I think that's why it's specifically taking off in, let's say, 2020, 2021. But then, of course, on top of that, we have a perfect storm in, in, in terms of regulation coming in to effect and regulation really focusing now on decarbonization and emissions. Then, on top of that, we have increased fuel prices. So from a regulatory point of view, something needs to be done, and that's across all vessel classes. So the focus for the ship owner community, so ship owners and, 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 and charters that are paying for the fuel are very focused on this, but also the whole, uh, also the consumers are starting to look very hard at this. I, I don't know if you early on this week read about, it was well published in other publications as well as Financial Times yesterday, that now a lot on the very large retailers are going together 
and demanding decarbonization or zero emissions from the shipping industry, I think in 2040. A mixture of all of the above, that something needs to be done. Silverstream has created a solution that works. And then also the monetary benefit in actually saving 5, 8, 10%, whatever we save on a particular vessel class. You talked about the fact you've developed a solution that works. What is it in particular about what Silverstream has done, perhaps compared to what's been tried in the past, that makes this a successful technology? So, Marcus, every time I talk about fuel saving, it's always net, it's not gross. So, I think that we had a way to induce the air into the, the hull of a vessel, which was very different and innovative. Intuitively, when you think about air lubrication, you think about getting some air under the hull, and then you hope and pray that, that it will stay there and it will uh, create some benefits. We are doing air lubrication in quite a different way. We have these patented units that we call air release units and then a patented system. And we have found a way to use very little energy in creating the air bubbles and creating the right amount, but also very tiny micro bubbles. And because it's such a small amount, it is not disturbing the boundary layer. It stays in the boundary layer and it's creating this carpet of friction reduction throughout the length of the vessel. And then knowing that this works, so we, ha- we have started this extensively in tests, cavitation tunnel tests. Then after installation, we have great focus on creating a protocol on how to test it rigorously in a way that owners and charters understand and also on borders. So typically, we'll create this protocol even before we enter a contract so the owners and charters are aligned and understand exactly what we're doing. So when we then get the results, they agree that these are the correct results. Because we had the whole community engaged in this process, I think that has helped us then with the uptake so there's less scrutiny about the Silverstream numbers because we go through such a rigorous process. Okay, that's uh, really interesting to know about the process you, you've gone through there to verify how the system works. Just to give our listeners an idea of how many ships are currently operating with this system and how many you will be fitting it on? As of today, we have seven zero contracts. As you know, when we sign a contract and it's a new build, it often takes three to four years for that vessel to get into the water. Currently, we have 12, 14 vessels in the water operating the system. And of course, more and more are coming uh, online as time passed. There's going to be a much larger uptake versus what's currently in the water in the next few years then. Yes, and, and, and maybe worth mentioning is that we are installing our system on pretty much every single vessel class there is. So we started out with MR tanker, and we had cruise ships, new built retrofits. We have Roro vessels. We have recently installed on an LNG carrier, recently also installed on an ELOC, so very large ore carrier for Vale. So that's a pretty large vessel, 325,000 DWT. And that's to illustrate that it doesn't matter what sort of vessel you own or what sort of hull you have, we are reducing the resistance, which is the resistance of a vessel is very significant. We're doing this on any single vessel. So we can help a client you know, to explain what the percentage reduction is or what the kilowatt reduction is. At the end of the day, 
engineering as a mathematical solution. And we have now found out quite precisely how much it is that reduce the frictional resistance on a vessel in a certain operational profile in a certain sea state at a certain speed. So as all these vessels getting to work, we also get a lot more data on board at Silverstream that we are currently all data analysts where we are overlooking this data and figuring out how we can work with this data even in an even smarter way. So we learn and understand the operation of the Silverstream system even better. So this would presumably enable you to sort of advise owners how best to operate the system in different sea states and conditions? Absolutely. Clearly, pressure is very much determined at what draft you are steaming at. But the faster you go, we will typically also induce more cubic meters of air. And if you are in a seaway and you have rolling and pitching, that will also affect how we are adjusting the control and monitoring system and what direction it, it, it gives to the compressors and how, how the system is operating. Is that something the crew would have to be involved in, or is this all, all this kind of automated system? It's a super good question, Marcus, and I, have, of course, should have mentioned that. It's a fully automated system. The crew has to either, at the start of a journey, switch it on, and if it's on, then it will switch, switch itself off, typically when you go below a certain speed, and then automatically switch itself on when it goes above. Typically, we set the system, so it switches off when there typically will be a pilot on board. So that will be around 10 knot point, a little bit depending on vessel and what owner operator is looking for. But that means that out of um, 100% at sea, we will typically see an availability of our system of sort of like in between 90 to 93%. So the remaining 7% will be when you're navigating into port. So at all other times, you'll be using the Silverstream system. That's clearly very important in the sense that it's no good if you have a technology on board a vessel that's only working in a certain speed range or in a certain weather condition. You need EET, so an energy efficiency technology, to be available to save fuel throughout the operational profile. So both speed draft, but also, in my opinion, also in all weather patterns. It operates for the vast majority of the voyage and doesn't require the intervention of the crew. So, of course, we install supply on board a vessel. Technically, it's compressors, but it's very, very low bar compressors. When you say compressor to a ship owner, sometimes he is thinking about very big pressure on a very large machinery. We are installing air supply, which is typically around the 1.2 to 1.5 bar, which is not really that high pressure. The compression power that we install is typically used in uh, water treatment plants. So that means its machinery is designed to work 24-7 for 25 years. So it's a different compressed technology that you, for example, use for working tool on board a vessel or that you, for example, use on an LNG carrier for uh, the relic or something like that. By the sounds of it, it's designed to not require maintenance from what you just said. Correct. So for the first, I think for the first five years, it's mainly only oil changes and filter changes. And even though that I'm not educated in doing so, I've seen it being done. It can be done by the crew on board the vessel. So this is just a regular part of that. But back to your initial question, 
It doesn't require extra manpower on board. It's a fully automated system that switches on and off and also with an algorithm in the system that automatically chooses what air supply and pressure you need and reads that from the main system on board the vessel. So if you have an uh, LNG carrier and you use quite often, these use a particular brand of operating system, then our system will be connecting to that and working seamlessly with that. Okay, so it's pretty much once it's there, it operates itself. You mentioned quite a lot of different ship types there. That's very impressive. Is this system better suited to new buildings or retrofits? Can it be both? I think we're the only company that's also doing retrofits as well as new builds. We enjoy doing new builds. We enjoy, like with MSC, to get an order going and start discussion, and then uh, and then then it ends up with more than thirty vessels. That's great when we have a couple of designs and then add on. Because from an uh, operational point of view, it's easier to deal with. It takes a bit of time before the vessels start at supply chain and delivery. So the silver skate stream can then scale up in the meantime. But we are doing retrofits and we have done many retrofits so far. We do believe that with the decarbonization challenge and uh, regulatory challenges, that it's very important that we are able to have a strategy around retrofits of fleets. So with, uh, with a couple of owners, we are currently working on that. So how, how that would work would be that they will ask us, can you retrofit these 40, so four zero ships in the next six years, and how can we uh, organize that? And this is approximately where we want to do these dry docks because dry dock is required. And then we'll work closely with the client on giving them a solution that suits them and us. Some owners have very large technical internal teams and want to be very much involved. And other owners prefer Silverstream to pretty much do a turnkey solution for them. And Silverstream is trying to be a company that's basically doing exactly what the owner wants and typically be quite a lot involved from beginning, be very easy to contract with agreements with the yards and commissioning stage be available but also the whole after sales service cycle be very much involved and supporting the client because we think there's little idea in us supplying a system as we know a lot of things can stop to work at sea because it's a harsh environment silverstream needs to have availability and be able to service the client with any sort of service and requests afterwards. So that's currently also, Marcus, what we are building in our organization. So in many senses, it's very similar to how owners have worked with things like ballast water management system retrofits. Yes, you can say that. The, the difference, though, from ballast water, for example, you, you brought, brought, that, brought that up, is that I think that the industry, it was something that was like put on them that they had to do. And it was difficult, perhaps, for the owners to argue why you would need a good system or bad system, because there would not be any economical benefits. Maybe you'd look at, at the servicing procedure. But the significant problem you have if you install an air lubrication system and it's not available is that you ha haven't got any savings. And if you have a Brent crude price as of today of $84, uh, gas BTU price that's much much higher than it normally is you as the owner of course would want to have 
as close to 100% availability of the system because it's money in hand either for, uh, well, it's money in hand for the for the one that, that pay for fuel. Understood that sort of difference. You touched on there the meeting the sort of challenge for existing ships in terms of reducing emissions going forward and so forth. How does something like the air lubrication system from SilverStream fit with other technologies that owners are putting onto their ships to reduce emissions? I would say that we fit extremely well in the sense that it's quite simple what we do. We just make the A vessel glide more easily through the water. So by installing our technology, if you keep the operation exactly the same, you will typically just save fuel and have an increased speed. Of course, you can then change the operational pattern and have the same speed and then have significant less fuel use. With other technologies, waste heat, wind, anything really is just complementary. But another topic maybe we also can discuss uh, is that our technology is fuel agnostic. What do I mean by that? I think that sometimes, and this is maybe not so much in the shipping environment, but more maybe in the mainstream media, that the public seem to think if we just change the fuel in the future, there will be no issues. But the bottom line is, and the fact is, that if we change the fuel to ammonia or methanol, well, propulsion is going to be a lot more expensive. When propulsion is getting a lot more expensive, it's just important to focus on the need to make shipping and vessels more efficient. So, so do everything we absolutely can to have vessels glide more easily through the water or use any other potential benefit that we can use on a vessel. And that I think is important to mention. So from our perspective, we are embracing new fuel types. Personally, I think it will take a, a little bit of time before new fuels becomes available in industrial scale. But we are great supporters of um, working with other companies, collaborating whatever way we can. And that will mean across the industry with owner charters class. But it also means across the industry with other energy efficiency technology providers and help find a solution or to the regulatory environment. I think we both agree that regulatory trajectory that we are currently on is probably not going to slow down. It's probably going to be having even more requirements in two or three years' time as we see now. And, and, and now I said slowing down, I don't think that solution to the regulatory requirements just that you, you have a strategy that slow down all our vessels. I don't think that will make the future of our growth economy will then meet demand. I think that's not the right stance to take. I think we need to find solution that really makes vessels and the industry more efficient by, for example, something like our technology. But ideally, the, uh, the shipping community should have 10 technologies, like a silver stream technology, and that they could have in a blend on board five of them, three of them, eight of them, to make their vessels more efficient. That would be ideal, I think, for the industry. So that need to be more efficient remains because the fuel type and obviously the cost savings that an operational point as a ship owner or operator you mentioned before about the sort of pressure that's coming from the cargo side, and obviously the, the announcement you referenced by IKEA, Amazon, and so forth earlier this week. How much of this demand for a system like this is going to come from the ship owners, and how much is it going to come from the cargo interests and the charters driving this? And where the driving force from this is coming from? Is it the industry itself, or is it, is it customers, or is it regulation? Is it an amalgam of all of these things? 
in my point of view, industries themselves in general, whether it's being shipping, aviation, automotive, with regards to fuel consumption and emissions, have not typically in the past been regulating themselves. And I mean, the automotive industry needed a steer from governments, from European Union, to get where they are today. And I think that the shipping community currently is getting a, a steer from regulators. And I really think the regulators get a steer from the public, so public opinion like you and me and, and, and consumers. And consumers are getting more aware and feeling more responsible with regards to where their products are sourced. And they're also becoming more aware of the supply chain since the very famous 22,000K vessel got stuck in Suez earlier this year. Suddenly, there's a greater understanding that a lot of consumer goods we're using is coming from far away and being brought to us on ships. And there's more focus on also shipping. We'll have to do something similar than automotive went through some years ago. And so I think that it's a big blend of things. But what I see is that, Marcus, if you look at our client base, it's very uh, specifically at the moment, or, or, or it's all, I would call them tier one clients. We are working together with Shell, Carnival Cruises, Vale Mining Company, MSC, Maersk, and I think all the top names. And I think what, in my experience, uh, these companies perhaps have larger units internally where they have the capability of looking at the benefits of various vessel designs and technologies. Therefore, one of the reasons that they are now picking more efficient designs and solutions. I believe that because now of regulation, the rest of the industry will have to follow. One reason they will follow is that they have to because of regulatory pressure. Certain vessel type will have a very difficult time to operate the same way as it did in the past because of CII regulation and EEXI. But others will also just choose a technology like ours because it simply saves them money. And it's a way to future-proof their vessels. Now I think that we are at a stage where you choose to do nothing, you might run into having an obsolete fleet in a couple of years' time and where you're simply behind the curve and you're actually not allowed to operate after January 23, or if there are further regulation, then a couple of years after that. So I think it's good that the industry now needs to take this challenge seriously. Of course, it's, it's tough for them, but luckily there are proven solutions out there for them that they can use. But of course, Marcus, I would like the, the industry to accelerate. I think there's plenty of scope generally in the industry for accelerate their efforts in taking up verifiable solutions. And I think it sort of brings me on to my final question, really, which is you've painted a pretty strong demand picture there, potentially for Silverstream and other technologies to reduce emissions. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about how the company is expanding and what you see ahead for Silverstream? The way I look at the market is that there are about 600 new builds built a year, and we have proven that air lubrication reduces the energy bill significantly. So I see no reason why, let's say, 
two-thirds of all ships in, let's say, five years' time would have an air lubrication solution on board. And I'm hoping that our solution will be the one that's verified, that has the most data, and also the best performance, as well as being agnostic to yachts we're working with, and if it's a new build or retrofit. And then also I look at the market and look at there being 90,000 vessels in the IMO database, about 10 to 12,000 vessels are less than 10 years old and consuming quite a bit. And I do think that a large amount of these vessels will consider retrofitting various energy efficiency technologies. And Atelosium would very much like to be a part of that mix. So then moving on to how are we Atelosium dealing with this? Well, we are scaling up significantly. So currently we are 58 people at Silverstream focusing solely on air lubrication, on the delivery of our system, on the installation of our system, developing framework and a foundation that will make it easier for the industry. So charters, owners to work with us, we want them to have a very seamless experience from cradle to grave. And we currently are building up another office in uh, Shanghai, Yushan Shui, the financial district in the middle of Shanghai. And we're expecting to be around 30 people there within 18 months. And also we're starting a satellite office also in the Middle East. So we are expanding heavily because we have great feedback from the industry about our system. And I can only see that will accelerate further in the future. So some real serious growth plans there. It would be great to come back to you in sort of 12, 18 months time and see how all this is coming together and see how that demand picture as, as well is coming together. That would be my pleasure, Marcus. Thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to us on the Maritime Podcast and explain more about your air, air lubrication system. Thank you, Marcus. Pleasure to be here.